Our reading this morning is Hosea chapter 14 and you'll find it on page 740 in your pew Bibles. Hosea 14. Return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendour will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let him realise these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Friends, uh, good morning and welcome to our service. We are in week five and the final week in the series in the book of Hosea. Nice to see our visitors here this morning, sometimes some people for the first time, maybe second or third. We're glad you've joined us uh, this morning. And uh, Hosea, I think, is one of my favorite books, uh, challenging, powerful, correcting, uh, training in righteousness, uh, rebuking. You know, the, the Word of God uh, says in 2 Timothy that God, through His Word, um, trains us, rebukes us, corrects us, and helps us to live God's way. And I think the book of Hosea does that. And um, let me remind you where we've been. Chapters 1 to 3 in the book of Hosea. Uh, Hosea used the image of an adulterous wife to illustrate Israel's rebellion. And uh, God was a faithful husband. God was the one who pursued Israel with outrageous love despite her adulteries where she chased other gods. Chapters 4 to 11, again, is another unit that we've looked over a couple of weeks. And he pronounces judgment on an unrepentant and sinful nation. And yet at the end of chapters 4 to 11, you get chapter 11, that we looked at uh, last week. Again, we see now God not as the faithful husband, but as the loving, enduring parent who chases the rebellious son, pursues them and wants them um, to enter a relationship with him. Chapters 12 to 14 is the final unit in the book of Hosea. And again, the prophet in chapters 12 and 13 pronounces judgment, and take time to read that for yourselves later. Their arrogance, self-reliance, and their idolatry, their stubbornness, and their ingratitude. And yet, then in chapter 14, he has a final call, a final call to return to Yahweh. Remember, that's the name of their personal God, their God. And that's our focus today. And so really, uh, today will be more a challenge and an opportunity for you to reflect on what you have heard 
and come back to God as God calls you. A call to return to Yahweh. And listen to these loving words. Return Israel. You are Israel. Imagine you are Israel in that period of time. To the Lord, your God. To Yahweh, your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive us all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We'll never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For I knew the fatherless find compassion. So firstly, he says, return to the Lord your God. Return Israel, he says. And friends, to return means to admit that you have turned away from God. You have in different ways have moved from him and it's a call to return. Israel is God's chosen people. And he says to his own people, as God would say to his church today, uh, in Nawi, in the Western world, in the whole world, return to me. To Israel, he says, you have broken my covenants. You have worshipped other gods. You have rejected my love. Turn back. Repent. Turn from sin and idolatry. Friends, in chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, we saw a few weeks ago that they sort of had a pretend conversion, a pretend turning back to God. It wasn't real, it wasn't deep, it wasn't sincere. Judgment was still coming. And there are people that I've known who have made insincere uh, returns to God. Let me give you one illustration. When I was uh, training to be a maths teacher back at Sydney Teachers College a long time ago now, and uh, there was a woman in our year group who was slightly older than us. She had, uh, most of us were 18 or 19 at first year, and she was maybe, I don't know, old, 28. <laughs> Felt a lot older than us back then, and she was a mature age student. And um, she'd had a Christian background in the Salvation Army, and she'd talk about the timbrels and the choirs and all that type of thing. And, uh, but she was living far from God. And one day she came to us and she said, she wanted to find me to tell me because she knew I was the, the Christian in the group. And she said, oh, Angel, I went to this event uh, last night and I gave my life to Jesus. I went forward at the altar call. I said, what happened? I said, well, uh, we watched this movie about the end of end times, the end of the world. Some of us used to see those movies. Remember, the Christians get raptured and everyone else gets judged. And you think, oh, no, I don't want to miss out. A thief in the night. Anyone remember that? Something like that? Yeah. None of that is true, the way that interpretation, but that's another matter. I don't think it's true anyway. And she said, and I got scared of becoming, I didn't want to miss out, I didn't want to go to hell, I didn't want to be under judgment, so I, I went to the altar call. And I went, that's fantastic, it's good to give your life to Jesus, to see not only there's a judgment, that there is the love of God that compels us and wants to work in our lives. And then I watched her for a few weeks. Friends, a month later, she was not walking with Jesus. She was continuing to serve the idols of the world and simply drawn back. See, because she had a taste of the fear of God, the judgment of God. She had not tasted the beauty of the love of God and the grace of God. Now, sometimes the judgment of God, in a sense, awakens you to the coming judgment but unless you are gripped by grace, unless you are gripped by God's love, unless there's a sense of God loves me more than anyone else, I am deeply loved by the creator of the universe, the one who sent his son to die for me, unless you get that, then often your return is superficial and it doesn't last. 
return to Yahweh, not to the Baals or the Asherahs or the other gods, but to Yahweh, your covenant God. He is your God. It's a personal relationship, you see. Israel had a personal relationship with their God. He's your God. You, you owe loyalty to this God. He's the one who brought you out of Egypt into the promised land. It's to him that you owe allegiance. And secondly, return to the Lord. But how do you return? Confess your sins, he says to them. Your sins have been your downfall. You just read Hosea 1 to 14. You know their sins have been their downfall. Arrogantly rejecting God, arrogantly serving other gods and offering sacrifices to the Baals and Asherahs, the pagan gods of the day, mistreating one another. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. The word sins here is also often can be translated iniquity, a specific word for sins. Since your sins, your iniquities have tripped you over. You're doing well, but then your sins got in the way you fell over. And you now need to step up and come back to me. Hubbard writes, what they tripped over was their iniquity, a word which catches the rebellion, deceitfulness, perversity, and crookedness of Israel's life. With a whole repertoire of terms at his disposal, Hosea chose this as the most encompassing and effective way of describing the endemic and manifold evil he decried. Friends, you can't return to God unless you're honest about your sins. The worship of other gods like money or career or, or sex or pride or porn, whatever happens to be your God today. As we sort of break up the fallow ground, the unplowed ground of your heart, maybe your heart has become cold to God. And you hear sermons today and you walk out, it makes no difference to you. You listen to a podcast about God's word and it makes no difference to you. It's still hard. You need to plow it. You need to come to God. Allow him to change you. And uh, many of you took that booklet, uh, little article I sent out a few weeks ago, I made available. Uh, hopefully you're reading it and thinking it through what it means to soften your heart, to be amenable to what God is doing. I read an article this week. It's a very sad article. It was about a, a husband viewing pornography. He's not the only one. And a woman was telling the story of her breakup of a marriage with a husband caught up in, adult, uh, in pornography. You see, it's interesting that in the first century, or not the first century, in Hosea's time, they were caught up in all types of sexual sins related to Baal worship and Asherah worship, uh, the false gods and immorality. And today, people get caught into immorality in different ways, including on the web. But this man was addicted. Uh, pornography controlled his thoughts, his desires, his depravity his life. He lied to his wife and it ultimately led to the end of the marriage. The wife said, I could not live with someone who was constantly viewing other naked women and so on. Far worse than that. And finally it led to the break of the marriage. She said later she married another man who promised that he didn't use porn. But he lied too, she said. He lied for 20 years to me in my marriage. He consumed porn behind my back, she said. He was deceitful financially and emotionally. It destroyed our family. So you can't return to God unless you confess and repent of your sin. Don't let it trip you, up, uh, trip you over anymore. Whatever it is, whether that sin or some other sin, talk to someone, get help, talk to God, get counseling, whatever you need. Don't let sin reign in your life. The good news, friends, is that we will all fall in different times in different ways and different times. 
But if we confess our sins out of 1 John here, chapter 1, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. We know we're not perfect yet. We know we will sin in a variety of ways. But it's the orientation of your life that matters. My dear children, I write to this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, yep, that's me, that's you. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Friends, we have someone who has atoned for our sins. What does an atoning sacrifice mean? We use language like that. What does it mean? It means we deserve God's judgment for our sin. But Jesus died as our substitute. His sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice, the word is propitiated, that means satisfied and appeased the Father's wrath. His wrath against the Christian sin has now been turned and directed towards Christ. That's what it means in atoning sacrifice. The judgment that we deserve has now been poured on Christ our Saviour. He's an atoning sacrifice. And therefore no one is too far from God. Return to Him. I was meeting for coffee with a friend of mine who's been a mentor for many years. He was telling me about a ministry uh, uh, with his fellow in prison. I said, what are you doing in prison? You're 85, man. Stay out of these tough places. He said, no, it's unbelievable what God is doing. He said, I've been in touch with a man who used to be a former standover man in an underworld gang. He's now converted in prison. He won't be out for a long time, but he's now come to Christ. He says he's witnessing to others. And because he's a former standover man and they tried to take him on when he first joined the prison and before he became a Christian, he sort of let them know through his fists that he is not to be messed with, right? So now as a Christian, they're still not messing with him. He's a big guy. But he's witnessing to others. He's helping run the chapel services. In fact, my friend said he he runs them now. He speaks at them and organizes them. He's studying online through Mauling College, our Baptist Theological College. This friend of mine visits the prison once a month and said, he comes and said, can I give you a hug? And often they're not allowed to touch each other in the prisons. Who knows what they're exchanging, right? And he said, then I have a line of prisoners who are now followers of Jesus ready to hug me as I come to visit them and speak God's word to them. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. God is a God of forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. Tonight, uh, uh, a man will be baptized. The baptistry is full to it. A young adult who uh, a year ago came to church and, and it, his brother had been a Christian, brother was baptized, and he's a twin, twin brother in fact, and uh, Nick had been baptized, came to faith, and Ethan was a non-Christian. He said to me after the sermon, I really enjoyed that sermon, I'm not a Christian myself yet. He kept coming and through the witness of some other people, he's now come to Christ and the prayers of God's people and tonight he's going to testify here that he is now a child of the living God, he's now forgiven, he has peace with God now. And he's going to be baptized just in that water. It's nice and warm, finally. We got it working. (laughs) It's not cold water. It's warm water. Friends, God is in the business of transforming lives through the sacrifice of Christ. He calls us to repent of our sins and come back to him. Israel had to come back to God, and God would work in and through them for his glory. But he also says, take words with you. That's a strange expression. Take words with you. I think what he's saying there, take the words of confession 
an admission that you have failed God, don't just go and offer a sacrifice. Don't just turn up to church. Don't just go through the routine of things. Now, oh, well, if I just do that, if I just give my offering, if I just do that, that will be enough. No, no. Speak to God with words. Be honest with him. Tell him what has happened. Speak to God with genuine repentance. And I was um, Googling prayers of confession this week, and I found this beautiful uh, prayer. And I've never prayed so eloquently to God in a confession, and you don't need to. But let me give you an example of what going to God with words looks like. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of the sin struggle in my life. I feel distant from you. My choices have not led me to the right places. I've listened to the whispers of my enemy instead of your words in Scripture, and the result has been disastrous. I once walked with you, my heart tender to your leading, yet little by little, God, I exchange your truths for temptations and deceit that led me away from you. Instead of taking thoughts captive and confessing them immediately, I allowed them to grow totally out of control. Repentance was not in my vocabulary. Blame, cover-ups, or trying to reason and rationalize sin never work. They only give birth to deeper sin entanglements. Oh Lord, you created me in your own image. You know my thoughts before I speak them. You x-ray my heart and see through my excuses and intentions. Your spirit warned me, but I ignored you. Disappointment and discouragement have taken their toll on me. So today I'm confessing my desperate need for you. You have promised that if we confess our sin, you will forgive us and make us clean again. Lord, I truly need your forgiveness. Repentance is on my heart and lips. I want to turn around and head another direction. Back to you, Lord, but I need your help. It goes a bit longer than that, but uh, that's enough. Get a taste. Take words with you when you come to God and rely on grace. He says, receive us graciously. You see, we stand in Christ, forgiven, restored, made new by grace. God's generosity. There's always hope beyond judgment for the people of God in the Old Testament. A future beyond despair. And friends, I love these words in Titus 3 if we seek to apply them to ourselves. It says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But listen to this, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We were born again, through whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, declared right with God by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. How beautiful is that? God in the Old Testament pursues Israel like a father, like a faithful husband. And here we have God pursuing us all the way through Christ, through his death on the cross. He saved us through his mercy and his kindness and his love and his grace, all through that text. What a privileged position we have. And then he says that the purpose of that, God says, is that you might offer the fruit of our lips in a positive way. Once you are restored in a relation with God, you then you use your lips to pray, to worship, to keep your vows, to proclaim God's goodness, you see. You speak with your lips. Take words to God in repentance, then speak with your lips. Hebrews 13 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually 
offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Hand over your lips to God. You know, if no one had told young Ethan about Jesus, had never spoken the words, the good news of the gospel, he would not be converted and he would not be baptized tonight. If no one had spoken the words of the gospel to those prisoners, none of them would be saved. They'd be battling each other and seeking to kill one another rather than commending Christ in that prison. So witness with unashamed worship, unashamed witness. Thank you for the encouragement this morning. Our neighbors, our friends, invite them to church, invite them to a gospel event, uh, offer to read the Bible with them, give them a Bible, give them a gospel tract. Be open to be used by God to declare good news. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? The fruit of our lips. And reject any trust in false gods and powers. That's repentance. I love this. They come to the point of saying, Assyria cannot save us. They used to trust in earthly saviors. We will not mount war horses. We will not trust in military power any longer. We will reject the idols. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. See the lunacy of creating a god, fashioning it out of wood, whatever, or metal, and then placing it there, then bowing down to it. What nutty people are we, right? Never again will we do that. For when you, the fatherless, have compassion. The fatherless, he may refer to penitent Israel, who now experience God's compassion, because in a sense they were without a, a, a father. It's likely to be what he's getting at there. And then in 4 to 8, we have Yahweh's loving response. I will heal. When you do that, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Do you want healing? Do you want restoration? Do you want peace with God? Do you want to be removed from God's coming judgments? Come to God. Repent. Trust in Him. I love the language he uses, uh, verses 5 to 7. It's, it's love poetry. It's, someone has linked the, the language to the Song of Songs uh, in the Old Testament. It says, I will be like the Jew to Israel, the refreshment of God's love. He will blossom like a lily. It's bountiful prosperity. It's beautiful. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. No longer will the land be barren. No longer will it be bleak and dark and treeless. No, God's now going to bring prosperity. There'll be trees and, uh, everywhere. The shoots will grow deep, you see, and grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. You've probably never thought of an olive tree as splendid, being splendid. I mean, you've got to think of Middle East, right? Talk to Malad, our missionary in the Middle East. He loves his olives. He loves his cedar trees. When I went to Lebanon, did we have a, did they put on a tree? See a tree? Did I get a cedar tree on a picture? Oh, there it is. Right? I said, show me a cedar tree. And everywhere I went with Malad through Lebanon, oh, look at the, the cedars of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon. You read your Bibles, the cedars of Lebanon everywhere. You go, yeah, no, we've got other trees here. <laughs> you know, well, what's all these olives? Yeah, who cares about olives? You know, give me fruit. Give me apples or bananas. Or... But in that period of time, it spoke of prosperity. It spoke of blessing. It spoke of uh, a beauty. And people will dwell again in his shade 
under God's protection. They will flourish like the grain. Rather than the judgment of God where they, they have no fruitfulness and where they're going to be sent into exile and the land will be barren and attacked and plundered no longer. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon or we might say like the wine of France or something. It's going to be a beautiful new day when they turn back to God. And Ephraim, God reminds them that he's done with idols. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. I had to Google that. What's a juniper? Tell me, a pine tree, a cypress tree. He said, I'm like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. God reminds him, no more idols. Stick with me. Fruitfulness comes. And there's a final admonition that we finish with, and I think it's helpful right at the end. Having heard everything that Hosea has said from God, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So we ask the question, what will you do with the message of Hosea? The righteous understand and discern and walk in the truth. Did you hear God's voice over the last five weeks? Did you self-examine your life? Did you break up the fallow or unplowed ground of your heart? Did you return to God? Maybe, I'm not saying you have to become a Christian, you're probably already Christians, but instead, did you return to God in a greater commitment and, and passion to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to glorify His name? Did you confess and turn from your sins? Or do you love your sins too much to give them up? Did you trust in Christ and His grace alone for your salvation? It's my prayer that we would, by God's grace, learn to discern and understand and walk rightly with our God. Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, we ask that uh, you would do your work of reformation in our lives. Lord, where we need to return to you, help us to return to you. Where we have hidden sin and hidden rebellion, Lord, help us to be honest with you. Help us to share it with a brother or sister that they would uh, support us and help us to turn from sin and live in righteousness. Lord, we thank you that we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit as we read your word and as we care for one another. Lord, do your work, we pray, in us for the spread of your fame and the glory of your name. Amen.